Uh, so today I'm super happy to be with Scott Volk, who has walked with the Lord for nearly 50 years now and been in ministry 35 of those years. He was with Art Katz in the Ben Israel community. And later on in life, he was at the Browns Revival and served under Dr. Brown, was pastor of Fire Church, things like this. He's been around for a while. And I've been so blessed to be able to glean from his life of hospitality, generosity, kindness, love, selflessness. I've been able to glean from this. And everywhere I go where people know Scott Volk, everybody loves him. They all have a, he's just an endearing person. He has such a, a, a likeness to the Lord that it is encouraging and unintimidating. He's just welcoming and loving very much like a father. So, uh, Scott, thank you so much for making time to talk to us today about Israel. Eric, seriously, dude, it is an honor. And I really appreciate the introduction. God has been so good to us, bro. And it's, it's really, truly a blessing to be on with you today. Well, there's a couple of scriptures I wanted to jump off from, and then you can kind of take us where we need to. Um, yeah. As you know, we're we're going to be using uh, your one of your ministries in order to take an Israel trip in November 4th through yeah. the 10th this year. Super excited. But in 2 Chronicles 6, you know these scriptures well. The scripture says that God has chosen Jerusalem, a place for his name. And then in 2 Chronicles 33, it says that he chose this place for his name forever. So talk to me a little bit about what, what does that even mean? Yeah, well, bro, it's so crazy. First of all, when God chooses something, uh, he chooses it and it is marked. So no wonder that Jerusalem and Israel has been the source of conflict and controversy since the time he chose it. Think about this, Eric. Uh, I live in Concord, North Carolina. Nobody is calling for Concord to be wiped off the map. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody's calling for, for hatred against Concord. But Jerusalem, the one place where the Lord chose, has been the center of the crosshairs of the enemy since God chose it because God's name and his reputation is at stake. Think about this. He chose Jerusalem. His son, lived and died in Israel, was resurrected from a tomb in Jerusalem, is returning to the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem to establish his earthly kingdom. No wonder every force in hell is against it. And when you think of Jerusalem, Eric, where you're going to be staying on this trip in November, it's remarkable. You're spending every night in Israel in the city that the Lord calls his own. And hey, there's just a real quick uh little illustration, Jerusalem, there's three valleys in Jerusalem and the Temple Mount where God's presence dwelt. He had David's son Solomon build this temple where his presence would dwell. Thank God now his presence dwells in you and in me. This, this location where his temple was, there are three valleys that form the letter Shin, the Hebrew letter Shin, which is God's name. Shin stands for Shaddai, the name of the Lord. So imprinted in Jerusalem, and you'll see it when you're there, are these three valleys that form the letter Shin, which is God's name. And I am telling you, you know, think about this. In the book of Psalms, it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. 
they will prosper that love thee. I don't know that there's another city in scripture that we are called to pray for, but yet is so often overlooked in our prayer meetings. Because once the church gets a hold of God's heart for Israel, I, I think they become a threat to the principalities and the powers because Israel holds the key to world redemption, bro. When Israel welcomes their savior back, he's not coming until they welcome him back. According to the word, Jesus said, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So all the earth is waiting for the Lord's return. And that's not going to happen until Israel and Jerusalem welcome him back. And that's why you and I and so many others have the privilege of of declaring the gospel of the kingdom to the nations. Because when we speak the gospel and when people's heart opens up to God's heart for Israel, everything changes. And we are, we are actually hastening the day of the Lord's return as we share his heart for Israel to the nation. So Jerusalem, Israel, those second chronicle verses, bro, they're so, so key. Um, there's another chronicles verse that says, who is like you? Israel, the one nation on earth who God has redeemed to make for himself a name. (laughs) Crazy. God's glory and his name is so tied to Israel and the destiny of Israel that um, it's it's mind boggling. So the the thought that you um, are leading this trip and people are coming with you and friends, I really want to encourage you. If you've not signed up yet for this trip, this is going to be a, a life-changing trip with Eric. But bro, the fact that you would take some of your uh, precious time to go to Israel and lead people there, to me, I, I, I feel like I feel like you're blessing the Lord's heart <laughs> in doing it. So there, a po- God's portion, the scripture calls Israel God's portion in the nations. So is it like the whole of the world, God took a select place and people through which to manifest what he's like to the, is that what it means to say this is a place for his name? Yeah. Well, well, think about this. When sin entered the world, Adam and Eve partook of the tree and the Lord came down and he cursed the snake and prophesied over that snake that one was coming Genesis three that is going to crush your head. In other words, because sin and death entered the world, because God is a God of life uh, and there's no death in him. He was looking for a people through whom that life giver could come to conquer sin and conquer death. It wasn't, it wasn't Adam and Eve's sons. It wasn't Noah, although he was a righteous man. It was Abraham. So when you look even at the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter one, it says this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So God spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And he said, through you, all the nations of the earth would be blessed, not just Israel and the Jewish people, all the nations. So God chose one man and one nation to bring the gospel to every nation on earth. So when God looks down, he doesn't see Scott, the Jew and Eric, the Gentile, he sees his kids, but he chose one nation to be the nation through whom that Messiah would come. So that was, that's, that's him making a name for himself. It's like, okay, 
My name is going to be implanted in the land of Israel. I'm sending my son. Where was Jesus born? In the land of Israel. Where did he live in the land of Israel? There's not one moment in scripture where Jesus, during his time on earth, placed his foot, his feet outside of the nation of Israel. He lived there. He died there and he's coming back there. Certainly, bro, there's got to be something so precious about that land. And when he he spoke to Abraham, not only was he going to bless the nations through his seed, but he was also going to give that seed a land. You know, it's kind of remarkable. If I was God, I would have chosen San Diego, (laughs) you know, palm trees, 75 degrees year round. God chose a barren wasteland to be the land where he called his own because God is a God of life. He brings dead things back to life. And he chose this land of Israel to be his own. And bro, I'm telling you, when you step foot in that land, something happens. It's uh, it's mind boggling. I've been there over 30 some odd times with tours and in speaking and I never get sick of it, bro. I know I know you live around Disney World and people go back to Disney World over and over again. They say it's the greatest place on earth. I'm telling you, Disney World is pretty amazing. But when you land in Israel and you're on the Sea of Galilee and you're looking at the skyline that Jesus woke up to, it is, it's amazing, dude. The land on which the feet of God trod. That's incredible. Is incredible. There a place that is specific in your life that is very, I know it's very, all very special, but is there a place specifically in Israel or in Jerusalem even that yeah. your heart just really connects with? Bro, every time I go to the Garden of Gethsemane, now listen, there are plenty of places in Israel that You know, we don't know if the Lord actually stepped on that square foot of earth, but there's a place called the Mount of Olives (laughs) and it's called the Mount of Olives because there are olive trees there. Gethsemane is on the Mount of Olives and there's a private garden there, Eric. Every time I walk into that place, I'm reminded of Jesus's prayer, not if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And every time, bro, that I take groups there, we're just able to just get alone because the thought that it's interesting because the the first drops of blood that Jesus shed was actually in that garden. When he was, when he was crying out to the point of sweating drops of blood, Mm. It just so amazes me that we, he had us in mind as he thought he was going to go through the most horrific suffering and painful death. He had us in mind and the scriptures actually say for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And what was that joy? You and you and me being in relationship with him forever was well worth the stripes that he took on his back and the pain that he endured. So garden of Gethsemane, one of my favorite places. And if I can give you just one more really, really quickly. In 1967, when Jerusalem was brought back into the hands of Israel, the paratroopers that entered the city went right to the Temple Mount where the temple used to be. And they uh, they went and prayed by the Western Wall, which is the retaining wall of the temple, but they began unearthing 
the steps that Jesus literally would have walked up in order to get to that temple. There are a few places in Israel where you can say Jesus's feet were literally right here. You're going to go to that place. And as you, as you just walk those steps that right now, it actually leads up to uh, a gate that is walled off, walled off. You can't get in there anymore. And that Temple Mount is now not, um, it's not a Jewish place. It's a Muslim place of prayer. But the fact that Jesus would have walked on those very steps, Garden of Gethsemane, Southern steps into the temple. Those are the two that stand out to me. And bro, you're staying in that city every night that you go. You're staying at a beautiful, beautiful hotel in that city, walking distance from the Mount of Olives and walking distance from the Southern steps. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but from the Mount of Olives, from the Garden of Gethsemane, that gate is the Eastern gate, correct? Yes. So as you're looking from the Mount of Olives, straight over to the Temple Mount, you're looking at the Eastern Gate. <laughs> that, I mean, bro, uh, that's a mind blower. That's where he returns, right? Through the Eastern Gate? That's, that's where he returns. And think about this. The, um, there's a Muslim cemetery that was built right in front of that gate. Because uh, Jewish people don't walk in non-Jewish cemeteries. But how about the scripture that says, be lifted up, O gates? There's actually gates that are below that because that was an, a new wall that was, that was built. I just believe whoop, there's going to be an amazing, amazing day when the Lord comes back. And those wall gates that, that are impenetrable right now will be the very gates through which Jesus walks to grab hold of his earthly rule in the city. I'm sorry if I'm smiling, dude. I mean, it just kind of <laughs> blows me away. Well, we love him so much that anything that has to do with him makes the heart leap. Right. Oh like if you had a yeah. place with somebody that you loved and they weren't with you and you saw that place and you remember the fact that they sat right there and that it would move your your heart just by love. Yeah. Are we going to hit we're probably going to hit Capernaum, right? And, and look at the Sea of Galilee and things. Yeah. So you'll although you're spending every night in Jerusalem, one day you're going to take a trip up to the Sea of Galilee, which consists of a boat ride. And that's that's an amazing thing. Eric, you're going to be on a boat ride on the very sea that Jesus walked on and calmed. It's bizarre. Uh, there'll be worship music playing and everybody that gets to go with you will just have this amazing time on the sea. And from the sea, you'll be going to both the Mount of Beatitudes, which is along the Sea of Galilee, as well as Capernaum, which you just alluded to was Jesus's hometown. And it's remarkable, Eric, the 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 synagogue in Capernaum in which Jesus would have ministered. Now that synagogue has been long done away with, and there's a, a newer synagogue built right there. But as you look at the foundation stones, there's this black basalt stone that you can see, which was the layer from the time of Jesus. So the, the actual synagogue itself was a place in Israel where we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was uh, Peter's Peter's mother 
the house of Peter is, is right there in Capernaum. Jesus would have visited there and healed his mother. I'm so many things happen. It's just, it's amazing. And Jesus chose, he chose for his earth. Two thirds of his earthly ministry happened in a few square miles right off of the sea of Galilee. It's, it's remarkable. And just for people who don't understand what you mean when you say Mount of Beatitudes, that's where he preached the Sermon on the Mount, correct? The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He goes up into this place that's almost a natural amphitheater right off of the Sea of Galilee. And he would have stood down there as people were sitting on the hill. Now, we, we think of Mount as, as these tall mountains, but but it's it's more like a, a nice hillside. And he would he would have stood there and and spoke uh, Matthew five six and seven right there as people would have listened to him. Behind him was the Sea of Galilee. I mean, it's just it, it's it's amazing. Uh, I feel almost silly that I even compared Disneyland to uh, to Israel. I mean, there's there's no comparison. Last one, last one. Um, Caiaphas's house. Are we gonna are we gonna see that? Yes. So Caiaphas's house is the night where Jesus would have spent his last night before going to the cross. So typically the route that you'll have on the last day that you'll be there is you'll start up on the Mount of Olives. You'll go down to the Garden of Gethsemane. Then you'll go from the Garden of Gethsemane to Caiaphas's house, which is almost identical to the path that Jesus would have gone on. You'll be in Caiaphas's house and uh, there's this downstairs area that Jesus would have spent his last night before going to the cross, brother. It is, it is amazing and mind boggling. (laughs) So I don't know. I mean, it's like every place I talk about, I'm thinking, yeah, that's the most amazing place in Israel. Yeah. That's the most amazing place in Israel. It's incredible. So do you believe that the shadow down there is actually the Lord? Do you feel like that's just myth? I, I really don't know. I believe it could be. I, I don't, you know, I don't have, like, I don't have the theological and archaeological uh, yeah. background to say this is definitely it, but it certainly could be. And um, I, I mean, I wouldn't write it off, but even if it's not, uh, the the place, the, the, the area where Jesus would have spent his last night is, is a, is a mind boggling thing. For, for those that don't know what we're talking about, can you explain what I'm talking about? You mean Caiaphas's house? Yeah. Yeah. The shadow. Yeah. Well, there's, have you ever been down there in that room? Yeah. So, um, there's this room uh, below ground, I'm, you take a number of levels of steps down and right on, I can't remember as you're walking in, but there's like this darkened area. Is that right? Is that what you're referring yeah, to? I want to make sure. looks like a person worshiping. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. You, you know, you think of the Shroud of Turin or something like that. <laughs> Here's the deal. If it's not the place, <laughs> I... I have no doubt that if Jesus is worshiping somewhere, there's going to be an imprint <laughs> somewhere because that man was fire. I mean, he was fire. So uh, I do, my faith rises, though, every, t- every time I'm there, Eric, every 
time I'm there. And then you walk into the, you know, the garden, the garden tomb. People mm-hmm. celebrate Resurrection Sunday every year. And I'm not exactly sure when this is going to be shown, but probably a short time after people celebrate celebrated Resurrection Sunday. And you walk into the tomb, uh, the tomb, and it's thankfully still very empty. The reality of the fact that Jesus chose to spend his entire earthly life in that square, that's those square miles of earth and is coming back there. I don't know, bro. I'm just. It's moving. So, so two last things and then we'll, yeah. we'll close out. Uh, so you just said that going there is, it aids your faith in some way. Yeah. 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 It, it, def- it aids your faith because when, when I open up this, this Bible now and I read Matthew five, six, and seven, Jesus by the sea of Galilee or, or Luke five, where Jesus gets into his disciples, uh, into a disciple's boat. I, I see it in my mind. Jesus left the upper room after Passover and walks across the Kidron Valley where you'll be seeing one of those valleys, the Kidron Valley into the garden of Gethsemane. What it's done for me is being in Israel has brought the scriptures to life. There are people who say it's like going from black and white TV to technicolor TV. It, it, it's a mind boggling thing. And we have, we, we can imagine what it looked like, but after being in Israel, the Bible comes to life and such, you'll never read the Bible the same ever. Yeah. So will you maybe pray? This is what I'd like you to pray for. Yeah. Those of us that are watching that maybe don't think much about Israel or don't yeah. really even have a, a Israeli, an, a, whatever you would call it, like a, a mindset towards that people group, that place, you yeah. know, because in the West, sometimes we get so about ourselves. I think it's even in Romans 9 or 11, where it says we can become arrogant or conceited and forget right. that we've been grafted into not only a people, but also in a sense, a place, the place of his name yes. where the rule will come from all, all over the whole world. Will you pray that God would open our eyes to the significance of the people of Israel and the yes. place of his name? Yeah, I, I will pray, Eric. And, and before I do that, I just want to say how thankful I am that Israel is important to you and is on your heart and that you're bringing those who are going to be going to Israel with you, I, I am convinced it's going to be life-changing in a supernatural way. And friends, before I pray, I just really want to encourage you. Israel is so important to God that I believe that our enemy would do everything he can to blind us to that importance. So as I pray, I just encourage you to open up your hearts. And if any way there needs to be more of a revelation of Israel, and God's heart for Israel, let's just be open and receive from the Lord whatever he would want to speak to us. Father, I'm so grateful to you, Lord, that you chose a land and a people for your name to be glorified. Lord, not to not to glorify a nation or an ethnicity, but to glorify your name. You chose the people to bring forth that Messiah who would bring life to the ends of the earth. So Father, I pray, Lord, in areas where we may be blinded to your heart for Israel, I pray that you would open up our minds and our hearts. Lord, speak to us. 
Give us your heart for Israel. There are people that you say you love with an everlasting love. There are people who Jesus wept over because they rejected him. There are people who the apostle Paul had deep sorrow in his heart for because of their refusal to bow their knee to you, Lord. Give us, give us your heart. Give us uh, the Lord Jesus's heart. Give us the apostle Paul's heart. Father, we want to be carriers of the heart of God where Israel is concerned. And as the world is turning against them and even some in the church, we say, Lord, may Israel bow their knee to the Messiah. We pray according to your scripture, Lord, for the peace of Jerusalem in the midst of turmoil and all nations coming against them. We pray, Lord, that your name would be glorified. And we thank you, great God, that one day you're returning to the land that you chose for yourself that your son is coming and Lord, may we be the people to herald that coming so that we can see Israel say again, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We thank you, great God, for the nation of Israel and all that you've destined it to be, not just for their sake, but for your name's sake in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Something came to me when you were praying it, correct me if i'm wrong i'm i'm 100 open for that yeah 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 but the scripture tells us that we're if we bless israel we'll be blessed right as we treat right. israel with with favor there is almost a favor that comes upon us in going to israel in a sense you are sowing into the land thereby staying in their hotels eating the food you're paying to go the, is that would you say that that is in a sense a blessing israel it is beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's blessing Israel. Israel's economy is so linked to tourism. So just one very, very natural way of blessing Israel is going there to visit in the same way. I hate to bring up Disneyland, but you're kind of blessing Disney by paying for a ticket. I mean, how much more of an eternal investment can we make than going to the land of Israel? And here's the cool thing, Eric. There's not one person that I've ever brought to Israel and I've brought thousands there's not one person that I've ever brought to Israel who ever said, I wish I didn't go. So in our blessing Israel, just by going, we're going to return with much more than we ever left with. And our hearts are going to be open and enlarged. The scripture that you that you quote, Genesis 12, I will bless those that bless you, God says to Abraham, the ones who curse you will be cursed. And through you, Israel, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. When we have an opportunity to bless Israel with our giving, with our going, with our praying, God just, his heart is open to us in the same way that you would be blessed, bro. If somebody that you really didn't know introduces themselves to your daughters and throws blessing on them and loves them for no reason, in the same way my father's heart is moved when my kids are loved by outsiders, how much more our heavenly father's heart is moved when he sees people of the nations coming in and blessing the one, the kids he calls his own. Israel is God's firstborn son. And when we bless Israel, we bless the heart of God. Praise God. Scott, thank you so much for taking time to be with me. And those of you that are interested in coming with me to Israel, November 4th through the 10th, I'll put a link down below. You can get all the information that you want. You'll see where we're going, costs and all that kind of stuff. So Scott, again, thank you. Oh, thank you, Eric. I love being with you, bro.